Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. Love the 80s? Then you'll love Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Love Chris Evans. Love the 80s. Over on Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. And Rachel's here. Greetings. And Jack Johnson's going to be here. Tell us about Jack Johnson, Rachel. I mean, Jack Johnson is the original triple threat. He's a singer. He's a surfer. He's a filmmaker. He's possibly one of the coolest people on the planet. And he's going to be sitting about eight feet away from me. And I'm not sure I can cope. I know. And he's going to be playing songs between nine and ten in Hawaii style weather. Also on the show today, we have Zach Crawley, England cricketer Zach Crawley and Ollie Pope. Tell us about those guys, Vassos. One of them has just scored a double hundred in an England shirt. The other rather set the tone for the Ashes when he hammered the first ball of the series 4-4. They are two of the brilliant batters that make Baz Ball balls. Yeah, and they're going to be on this show and on this podcast. Wowza. So Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys, fight for your right to party... What was the year for that? Anyone? See, I, I, I want to say 90s. I'm mm. sure that came out say before 90s I left then. school. Okay, Go so ahead. I'm going to say it was before I left school, so I'm going to say 95. 95. What do you think, Vassos? Yeah, 95, 94. I'll go 94. 1987. Oh, 87. I know. It was so way ahead of the game. Beastie Boys was so way ahead of the game. I mean, they wrote the book, to be honest. Um, what was its highest position in the UK chart? That amazing song. You gotta fight. Right. Boom, boom, for your right. Boom, boom, to party. I mean, because you're asking the question in that way, it's probably not number one, but you'd have to say... I, have I to would say it would have been a moral, a moral number one. Yeah, I'm uh, saying number one. Yeah, I'm going to say number one. What do you think? Uh, so my soul says number one. My tactical brain says it didn't even make the top ten. You're right, number 11. Yeah. What? It only got to number 11. So what was the top 10 that week then? All right, you ready for this? <laughs> Go on then. These are the 10 songs that kept the Beastie Boys out of the top 10. Number 11 was the highest that song got. That, I think not only did they blaze the trail for the future of rock and roll, you know, and all the melding together of different genres and different grooves and different cultures, all in that song. They also... They, they, they chime the death knell for the charts because the charts are just wrong. <laughs> if, the, if the Beastie Boys with Fight For Your Right can't get in to the top 10, then the charts, well, their days were numbered, as were the songs. Uh, number 10, Coming Around Again by Carly Simon. That's a good song. Yeah, it's a good it's not, song. It's a nice song. Yeah, it's, it's not, a it's nice not, song. It's, it's not Fight For Your Right. Number nine, Crush On You, The Jets. Never heard of it. Number eight, Live It Up, Mental As Anything. <laughs> I don't know that one. Do, 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 live it oh, up. I oh, I do yeah. know that one. Uh, beside the dance floor. And do, do, yeah, it's a good song. Live yeah. it up. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah. It's not Five Year Right yeah. to Party, no. though, is it? 
Number six, heartache, Pepsi and Shirley. Oh, Pepsi and Shirley. <laughs> How's that one go? Don't know. I can't remember. Number five, I do like Pepsi and Shirley, yeah. though. They're allowed. Yeah. They're not allowed to be higher than um, Beastie Boys, they even though they're. They can be in are. the vicinity. Definitely. Number five, I knew you were waiting for me, George Michael and Aretha Franklin. Oh, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Knew Four. you were waiting. By the way, down. Strong f- week. Down from number one the week before to number five. Punchy. Number four, male stripper, 1987, man to man meets man parish. Which is, which is, what's the name of the group and which is the song title? Male stripper is the song title. Mm-hmm. In brackets, 1987, a man to man meets man parish. We need to play that. Do we need to play that? Yes, I think we do need to play that. I think that. we do. Number three, uh, non mover. Oh. Down to earth, curiosity, kill the cat. Straight okay. back down, straight back down, straight back down, straight back down to earth. Nobody gonna see yourself. No, 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 raises edge. You were how old? Uh, eight, seven, depending on the month. Can't believe you can't remember that. Number two, Percy Sledge. When a man loves a woman. Oh, when a man yeah, 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 loves yeah. a woman. Pretty good. Yeah, class. Yeah, absolute class. That's allowed. Classic. Number one, Stand By Me, Benny King. Yeah, yeah. also class. But honestly, very similar. Movie. Yeah, you can't have both those. Yeah, you so, suddenly I'm changing both. my mind now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you, you can have one or the you've other. You've got the Beastie Boys showing <laughs> us all the way to the future. Follow us, everyone. And then you've got Stand By Me. And when a man loves a woman at number one and number two, it was time for change. <laughs> yeah. And the Beastie Boys opened the door. Not wide enough. Not wide enough. You're quite right. Anyway, fun. Poo transplant trial offers hope for liver patients. The UK is to launch a national clinical trial of a poo transplant. The researchers believe could treat advanced liver disease and fight antimicrobial uh, resistance. And we talked about this on the show with our good friend. Mr. James Kinross. Author James Kinross um, about faecal transplants. They are very much uh, in vogue and they are very dangerous um, sometimes, but life-saving other times. A weekend in the woods is just what the doctor ordered. Convalescence in which those recovering from illness or injury would spend months in the clean air of a seaside or country retreat is back on the menu. Quite right. Get back to Mother Nature. Let her sort you out. Scientists uncovered the surprising secret behind dinosaurs' massive size. Why were they so big? They were so big so they could eat trees, I think. I think it's as simple as that. I think trees and forests were the dinosaurs' vegetable gardens. I've said this at home and I've been laughed out of the kitchen. Scientists have found the missing link to explain why dinosaurs were able to grow to such a large size. The air sacs made their bones less dense, allowing them to grow to more than 30 metres in length. That's equal to the size of two buses put together. According to a recent study, these are air sacs or bone cavities, which are typical in present-day birds. Because birds are dinosaurs, we just choose to call them birds, so the kids don't get too excited. Oh, we should call them dinosaurs again. Enable dinosaurs to capture more oxygen, keeping their bodies cool and withstand the harsh conditions of their era. Can I just say, can I... Can you stop rustling papers over there? I'm, ho- I'm reading them all out and I'm not rustling. Because people are going to think I'm rustling. They're gonna, I wish Chris wouldn't rustle when he's... It's you. Stop rustling, Chris. Can you yeah, stop Chris. it? Can you not hear it through your stop headphones? Stop rustling. What are you doing, Chris? Stop it. Come on. Come on. Um, yeah, I had a dream about birds last night. Go on. I had a dream last night. I had a dream. No, I have a dream. I had a dream. And my dream was that for some reason I'd rescued three budgies. And I, then I'd... Colour? I, um, I think one was green. I can't remember the colour okay. of the other two. The first one was green. Okay. They were in a little triangle in my hand. A little oh, stack. Yeah. 
So they were baby budgies? No, they were full-size budgies, okay. but my hands were suddenly big all Massive. of a sudden. Stop asking me questions. Sorry, I'm trying um, to envisage it. All right, okay. Well, uh, um, so um, where were we with the story? So the story goes, I rescued these budgies. Then I went to the budgie sanctuary, but I forgot the budgies. Stop, Basil, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not trying to rustle paper. I don't think anyone heard that. I'm just moving it, but you noticed. No, everybody heard it. Just stop it. Okay. Can we take all paper away from Vassos and any sharp instruments or anything that I might bludgeon him to death with? You've taken three (laughs) rescue budgies to the budgie sanctuary without the budgies. Yes, I forgot the budgies. Um, And so my pal, Russell, who you know, right, he says, don't worry, I'll bring them. I said, how do you know where they are? I said, I've already got them. Right? Fill in the gaps. Okay. So he then arrives at the Butchie Sanctuary, but he's had his hair cut. And he looks like Jack Whitehall. And then I woke up. <laughs> what the heck is that about? And I woke up thinking, oh, with his hair cut, he looks like Jack Whitehall. Woke up. Time to, time to come to work. Time to, time to greet you two and tell you this uninterrupted, <laughs> this yarn of joy and wonder. Who are the Budgies? I don't know. I don't know. What does it all mean? What does it mean? Donegal humpback whale citing like a lottery win. Well, it's not, is it? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Fifty-five million pounds on Tuesday, or you know, a brief sighting of a half-breached um, humpback whale. Cash. Which would you prefer? Yeah. <laughs> Cold okay. hard it's, cash. It's hard, but I'll take the cash. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, the whale. No, I've already taken yeah. it. Listen, it's you a fantastic story. Vessels. It's a fantastic story. But Donegal humpback whale sightings are not like lottery wins. <laughs> By the way, guarantee. Unless Jack- you had a bet on it, guarantee jackpot last night, twelve million pounds. And I don't know, no idea. But but anybody if, not in this morning? If there's no jack, if there's no jackpot win, they spread. They have to give it out to the next people down. Dermot says in his in his advert, there's a new advert, a new lottery advert. I quite like it. Oh, uh, what else is going on? Meet Belle, the UK's first ever dog midwife. Now I think this lady Belle should um, should apply for the job as the the super dog carer. That's been advertised in Kensington for a hundred grand a year. It's a real job, and and it's you can still apply for it. Why isn't everybody just applying mm. for this job? Also, mm. I would query that she is the first ever dog midwife, because surely for generations and centuries people have been helping dogs deliver their bib- puppies and vets and veterinary nurses. Is it just a new job title that she's invented? Don't know. Rocket Man Domino's delivers pizza to Glastonbury Festival goes by jet suit. So Domino's have, have employed a jet suit person to fly with one of their, you know, those heated deliveries to Glastonbury oh, because what? it's because they thought if we did that it'll be in all the papers and every radio show whose text machine is broken will be talking about yeah. it. And they're right, they're absolutely Found right. No, is there anybody here who's ever flown in a jet suit? Anybody here? Yep. Vassos and his terrible injury. Yeah, but he's still flown in the jet suit. But he got really burned. I know, because he bent his legs. And they, they said, t- don't is, bend your legs. Which is sort of involuntary. Like, you would tell that's what happens. No. Why didn't they give you flame-proof trousers? Because they just told him, whatever you do, don't bend your legs. One second before, he started to bend his legs. Because the, that's the motion of it. No, it doesn't matter. They just told him, these people <laughs> just told him, don't bend your legs. And all you have to do, therefore, is not bend your legs. And fly. <laughs> Um, fly and so you had jets on your ankles, didn't you? And because you bent your legs, no, no, they were it was a jet sit pack on my back. Sorry, so because so, you bent your legs, your ankles were closer to the jet pack. Yeah, um, they, were, they were in its flames, <laughs> in its wash. Direct line I think of you fire. call it. I think you call it the wash. Yeah, and and you did burn your ankles. Yeah. How was it the jet suit? It was painful. But was it fun? Though? No, it was really fun. 
out of all the extraordinary things you've done, where does that rank? Top ten. Top ten. Hmm. Oh, we had a problem with the top five yesterday. I'm now. I'm now tempted. See, had I not been here yesterday hosting the show with you, I'd have said give give us the other nine. But yesterday, I should to name your top five favorite famous people in Barnes, hmm. and you couldn't even name five famous people. Do you know why? Because you were tired. I was tired. Well, yesterday on the air, you said I'm not tired. I'm just slow. You, oh, yeah, you've been slow, slow for years. Slow. No, no, you've been slow for years. <laughs> and I thought, he's tired, but he doesn't want to admit it because that's what he's like, because it's like a weakness. Um, and then I would have said yesterday, I'm going to say it now, you were up early on Tuesday to host the show. Mm-hmm. You then went out to the tennis all day, and then you went to running club at night, and yesterday you said, you're not tired, you're just slow. You were tired yesterday. I had a 20-minute nap before <laughs> running club. <laughs> But you couldn't name fame, five famous people in Barnes. None of us live in Barnes. We could name 20. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> That's the argument for the prosecution right there. Yeah, and I rest my case. So the lottery, midweek lottery. So you had the big £55 million win on Tuesday. One winner. Is it claimed yet or not? Unclaimed physical ticket. Um, so this is me. See, I love getting the ticket, but maybe you want to go online because if you, if you buy online, they tell you, don't they? Yeah. I suppose. But last night's was a guaranteed lottery win. So basically, if nobody won the jackpot, it would be dished out to to between the next people who had the most numbers in common um, with the numbers that were picked and indeed with each other. But there were two winners last night, guaranteed jackpot of 12-ish million pounds, turned out to be 12,620,000 pounds. Two winners who matched all six numbers. So they get six, they only get 6.3 million each. Can you imagine being them this morning? I know. Then if you match five plus the bonus, which effectively is six, but it's not the six straight off the bat, then you get a million pounds, two of those. Million pound per winner. That's not, not a bad, bad morning. And then, so the next tier of winning, it, this descends really quickly, yeah. right? So to match five numbers, which is only two off, with this one off the big win, mm-hmm. I suppose, you get 1,750. No. Yeah. Match four numbers, 140 quid. Match three numbers last night, 30 quid. Match two numbers, free ticket. <laughs> I match one. I know, but one off. One off the six gives you 1,750. One more correct number, the final one that you're missing, 6.3 million Stop pounds. It. I know. Stop it. I like it. I think it's fun. I don't know if they've been claimed yet. I don't know if they're digital or, or not. You don't have to claim them if they're digital. You just get told. But the numbers are quite spooky. Come on. 13478. So the first five under 10, all in single figures. Has that happened before? One, three, four, seven, eight, 15, and the bonus port, 54. It's so interesting. I am available how... for the National Lottery. Well, we, you have been. You've we, done it. Yeah, I did. I did. That was quite fun, actually. At Pinewood. Anyway, Karen. I was going to say it's so interesting how you sort of think, oh, well, if I'm picking my numbers, I should pick one from each sort of group of 10 because of probability. But actually, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. The probability is it could be one, two, three, four, five, six. Russell, stop it. Stop it. Stop shuffling your papers. I can't. It's really fun. You've got. It's not fun for the <laughs> listeners. Hello, Chris, the team. Long-time listener, first-time emailer, because our text isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> doodle do. So if you text the show a lot but you've never emailed, we'll give you the knock-a-doodle-doo today. Jenny from Standish. We can't wait to see Jack at Wasting Park this weekend. This is Jack Johnson, who's on the show between 9 and 10, not too far from you, Chris. Our son was born to Better Together in 2006, and he became a huge fan of Curious George with Jack. Uh, he did the soundtrack course. When I hear the songs, I can still see little George and the man in the yellow hat. Oh, so many memories in there. That's Toy Story 5 waiting to happen. 
Yeah, In Between Dreams um, is, is my go-to. It's my go-to album. I play that album more than any other album. Anyway, I played it when I bought a pub. It was the first album we put on. We put Van Morrison's Greatest Hits on second, and we put In Between Dreams on first. Still play it more than any other album. Talking to dreams, do you want to hear about the dream? Yeah. yeah. Do you actually, though? Yes. I mean, you've got oh, to I say yes. Dreams. What do budget regards mean in so dreams? So last night I dreamt, well, last night, this morning, actually, because I woke up to my alarm to get me up for this show whilst having this dream. I dreamt that I'd rescued three budgies. They were in my hand. My hand was spookily big. The budgies were budgie size, but they looked small in my hand. The top budgie was green. The other budgies I couldn't really see, but they were sort of in a little sort of pyramid on my hand so I then took them to the budgie sanctuary but by the time I got there I realised they disappeared and then my friend Russell phoned me and said don't worry I've got the budgies I've got them with me I'll bring them in He, br- I wait for him at the budgie sanctuary he brings them in but he's the only thing I noticed the budgies but then I can't help noticing anything really but the fact that he's had his hair cut and he's had his hair long forever I think he was born with hair, hair that, that long and I can think he looked like a very tall even skinnier Jack Whitehall then I woke up what does it all mean I don't know the phrases seeing a budgie in a dream are usually interpreted as a positive dream. Excellent. Yay! First of all, the budgie gar seen in the dream is the symbol of happiness. That's nice. Seeing budgies, which are famous for their singing, in a dream means that a dialogue will be established with people who have not been heard from for a long time. Ooh. Ooh. Catching a budgie in a dream means that a job will result in a quality manner. To see that you are catching a budgerigar means that bad things will be fixed. A secret event will be revealed and good news will be received. The budgerigar seen in the dream is fortuitous. Feeding the budgerigar, which means that you will have luck, indicates that it will take some time to get lucky. Didn't get to feeding the budgerigar. I presume I would have done had my alarm not gone off. Mm. What about losing the budgerigar? Don't say that. Um, where is this from? Is this from some kind of dream analysis expert? Because they do university courses yeah. now, don't they, in dream analysis? Uh, no, it's from budgiecentral.com. <laughs> Promote the budgies. Yes. I, we've got to find out more about budgiecentral.com. It makes me want a budgie, but then the cage aspect makes me not want a budgie very quickly after me mm. wanting one. Have you heard about the Long U Caves, everyone? The Long U Caves leave the mystery of the pyramids for dead. OK, obviously we can't get our head around how the pyramids happened, how they were constructed. Nobody's got a clue. It's, they had, we've tried to make really small versions of the Great Pyramids. We can't. It's impossible. Even with modern machinery, they break all the massive stones, break all the cranes, things like that. We don't know how that happened, but how the heck did this happen? Discovered in 1992 by a local villager who set out to empty ponds that residents said were bottomless, the Longyu Caves located in the village of Xi'an Beichun in Zhejiang Province, China, are a massive and majestic ancient underground world. The Longyu Caves, also known as the Shaonanhai Stone Chambers, are thought to date back to at least 2,000 years and represent one of the largest underground excavations of ancient times, as well as an ongoing mystery that has confounded scientists from every discipline that has researched them. Scientists from archaeology, architecture, engineering, and geology around the world have no understanding who or why the Longyu Caves were carved into the earth. Currently, 24 hand-carved caves encompassing a staggering 30,000 square meters have been found so far. Each grotto is carved into solid siltstone and descends roughly 30 meters down, with stone rooms, bridges, gutters, and ponds. The Longyu Caves are supported by pillars that are evenly dispersed throughout the caves, and the walls, ceiling, and stone columns are uniformly decorated with chisel marks in a pattern of parallel lines and ornate designs. Despite their magnitude and the work required to build them, no indication of their construction, or even their existence, has been discovered in archival sources. 
Despite the fact that the whole excavation involved about a million cubic meters of stone, there is no archaeological evidence explaining where that amount of stone went, nor is there evidence of the work being done. Furthermore, there isn't a single historical source that mentions them, which is extremely remarkable given the scope of the undertaking. Despite decades of analysis, the Long Yu Cave's mystery remains essentially unsolved. It's crazy, isn't it? It's not a UFO, it's a real thing. Well, UFOs may well be real. And the, the latest on UFOs is that the US government has, has them all in a shed somewhere. Right. And he's worried about the jet propulsion um, mechanisms being developed by the Chinese before them, and that's why they're holding them. Okay. okay. Area 51. Are there any budgies? <laughs> no budgies. Hide. But those caves that we know, I mean, that, that's amazing, isn't it? So, so they're, 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 they're not, well, they're, there's natural cave sort of labyrinthine, um, there's a natural cave labyrinthine environment down there, but we have carved things and we have put up pillars thousands and thousands of years ago. And the only really believable current theory is the fact that we were preparing some kind of huge survival bunker because obviously the asteroid that hits the planet, which wiped out most of the dinosaurs, was a thing. But also 11,000 years ago, there was this meteor sort of, it was almost like a sort of um, uh, uh, gal galactical attack on us. They said, they said or, or records have shown somewhere it's been recorded that it was like a, a, a global lightning storm with lightning rain hitting most of the planet and people were scared of it so maybe that's why they built this huge survival bunker but we don't know which is why my mum used to say a pound of worry bought an ounce of nothing don't sweat the small stuff don't sweat the big stuff just get on with today do what's in front of you Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. This is going to be something I'll remember, and that's a really lovely thing. I don't think I was able to do that in the past. And James Bay. Don't you agree that everybody needs someone when they feel alone? Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash UK. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big intro now, Vassus, over to you. Here come a brace of blazing batters who helped make Baz ball brilliant. One's just hit an England double hundred and the other set the tone for the Ashes, hammering the first ball of the series for four. So please welcome two men who aren't just playing cricket. They're absolutely cinching it. That was the sponsor reference, guys, in case you missed it. It's Zach Crawley and Ollie Pope. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Look at you two. You look like you've just been born. You look so so fresh and sparkling. Yeah, we, we've had our nice day off and uh, yeah, pretty knackered yesterday, but now excited just to sort of enjoy a few days before before another Lord's Test match. Yeah, all right, that's Ollie there. Good morning, Zach. Good morning. How are you, pal? I'm very well, thanks. That's a big bottle of water, but you're a big guy. I know, I don't drink <laughs> enough. <laughs> You've got to stay hydrated. All right, how was it for you, first of all, Ollie? Yeah, it was, it was a crazy week. Uh, obviously, 
we were a bit gutted for about 10 minutes about the result and then we kind of realised, looked back on the, the five days of cricket and the build-up before and thought, wow, we put on a show for five days. And I think the, it sort of hit home a bit when you looked at your phone after and all the messages, they weren't unlucky this week, mate, we'll get them next week. It was just, man, I've loved watching every minute of that test match. And that's kind of what we're about as a team. So the edge busting crowd was unreal. It was so loud in there. Uh, and yeah, hopefully that can continue for the rest of the yeah, summer. Yeah, and what a place to start another Ashes series. You know, 10 opening Ashes tests at Edgebaston. We've won seven. The atmosphere is off the chain. Um, do you, would you concur with everything Ollie has said there, Zach? Yeah, absolutely. It was an unbelievable week. We had so much fun. Um, the crowd were immense all week, um, <laughs> getting stuck into the Aussies. They really were, weren't they? Oh, in a big way, which is good because we copped it down under. So, um, of course you did. Yeah, they deserve it. Um, <laughs> no, it was great fun. And um, no, like you said, it was gutting for 10 minutes. And then Baz and Stokes, who spoke really well in the change room, said, like, you know, we. Cricket won this week, you know, it was great for the game and, you know, we come back stronger. Really, really great for the game. You know, we I've been discussing it with all my mates, um, with my wife, with with friends, generally, about... And it's made us question our lives uh, because cricket has been, you know, obviously it's been around forever, you know, and it has been disrupted in the past before. But never like this, you know, positively disrupted, introducing chaos, this thing called basball. For people who don't know, let's first of all, let's frame basball and then let's talk about, you know, how we can can echo or take from what you've been doing with this age-old game, you know, over the last few months into our lives. So how do you want to frame basball? Say, say an alien's just landed, right? First of all, what's cricket? Good luck with that. <laughs> so, so, you, so you've managed to explain to the alien what cricket is, right? And then what test cricket is, which I once tried to do with an, to an American, with an American. Don't bother. No, he, he, we were getting on fine. And then I, I told him more and more about it. And then I think in the end he wanted to punch me because he thought I was taking the mickey. He said, you know, about like, he said, and this takes a day? I said, actually, no takes five days this takes five days i said well it takes 25 days because this takes 25 and at that point he thought i was just taking the mickey out of him <laughs> so so alien lands he knows about cricket the alien knows about cricket what is basball ollie well firstly basball's not really a term we're allowed to use you're allowed to use it but baz doesn't like the term basball yeah well baz, but but <laughs> everyone, everyone knows he knows what it means everyone knows what it means uh it's probably just the most positive way you could ever imagine playing cricket, I think. Uh, and if you can compare it to another sport, it's like, if you're comparing it to football, for example, it's like trying to win 12-10 rather than, it's just... Parking the bus. Yeah, and our theory as a batter is you score as many runs as you possibly can. It doesn't matter how quickly or how slowly you get them. But if you want to try and hit the most ridiculous shot uh, that no one could ever think of, you 100% back to it. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it, it's it's like cr test cricket's never been played. And never been played. That's probably the best bit about it, and that's why it's so good to watch. All right, okay. So, so what's interesting about everything is that if you give human beings um, a, a, a certain amount of time, and this has been scientifically proven, if you give, whether it's a team at work, a certain amount of days to come up with a presentation, they will take as long as they've got. If you give kids a certain amount of time to prepare for an exam, they will take as long as it's got. Um, and if you give two cricket teams five days to play a match in the in the past, they will have taken as long as, subconsciously, as long as they have. But why? There's no need for that, is there? And that's what Baz has come up with. Um, and it's brilliant. And 
do you remember the first time you were ever you you ever talked about this Zach this this new way of playing I reckon the first time we spoke about it, Baz has always been talking about it, but when he first came in, we're kind of like, you know, what does, does he mean it? Does he actually like, or is it just trying to cheer us up? But the first time it happened was in at Trent Bridge in the second test match of the summer last year. And we came in at tea and we needed like 160 to win off maybe 35 overs, which is, you know, a decent chase over four and over. And he said, I don't care if we're nine down. Like every batsman's going for this, we're not playing for the draw. And from that point in, like he said, I don't care about losing. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. We don't really care about losing. We're just going to try and win. And I think that game was when it started, really, that second test match last summer. And it's the batsman going on the offensive from the first ball, as evinced in the second innings, where not the, the resumption of play rather than the second innings, when Joe Root tried the reverse ramp off the first ball and then just laughed his head off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was so I was because I was batting with him that morning and he sat there in the changing room for about ten minutes before saying should I do it first ball of the innings because it's never been done before who's ever reverse swept Pat Cummins one of the best bowlers in the world try and hit him for six first ball of the innings or first ball of the day and even though he missed it it just set the tone for the day it was crazy everyone was sort of laughing and then he pulled off two two the next over but. It, and then he, he was sort of sat there in his seat. Shall I do it? Shall I not? And I said, why don't you see what the field is and see if you think he's going to bowl a bit wider, then take it on. And he the field was not suited for that shot. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it on anyway. Because the big chat in the commentary box as I was watching it live was... Um whether or not he'd pre-empted or predetermined what he was going to do, but you've just now told us that he did. Oh, which yeah. is great. They're going, they were, the big thing was, do you think he decided to do that before he came onto the pitch? And it's having an immediate impact. My 14-year-old um, plays cricket for Chesham Cricket Club, and they played Amersham on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night, and one of Tom's teammates did the reverse ramp. He got caught out, but he said it was worth it to give it a shot. <laughs> but it's almost like rock and roll arriving in Liverpool. You know, at the end, I'm not joking, at the end of the 50s. And people are going, what is, literally, what is this? And it doesn't happen. I'm trying to think of something similar that's happened in my lifetime. You know, and you could talk about like the digital evolution of technology, but that is evolution, it's development. There's a journey that's starting, it's one that is, this has a vector and you can see it going one way or another. But this came out, and this is punk, it's punk. It's 1976, <laughs> you know, it's the Sex Pistols. It's, it's so exciting. Is that how it feels or are you, you all used to it now? Do you realize that you've caused the, re started a revolution in my bed? <laughs> I mean, we don't, I don't think of it like that. I mean, a lot of people talk about that and it's, you kind of like listen to them and you're thinking, really? But I mean, I know that what we're doing is pretty cool and we're, and we're winning games, which yeah. helps it as well. But um, it's pretty cool to be here spoken about like that. Oh, my goodness. But it must feel different in the dressing room. Must, and also, I've got to say, I don't know what you guys think. You were out there in the middle. But um, it seemed like the Aussies were having a better time because they were at a, a more fun party. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it is fun. I mean, I used to go into a test match pretty nervous and like thinking oh if I don't perform this week it might be my last so tense isn't it now I go in thinking oh this is so much fun you get to play in front of a packed house we'll we'll train two days before but we'll also go play a bit of golf as a team after training yeah, I and, saw that and doing things like that and it just makes the whole week so so enjoyable and we know once we're in the changing room even if you get out you can still have a laugh with your mate in the changing room yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense and everything about it and what what Brendan McCullum's created and what Stokes has created such a special special environment that we've got in there like like we were talking about even when we lost the game it's, we still had a, a real good laugh as a team for a couple of hours after the game and, and that 
probably wouldn't happen in a normal... Well, why? You know, nobody's died. You know, it's not a funeral. It's not a wake. It's the beginning of a summer-long party that we're all invited to, thanks to you guys. Exactly, and hopefully that can continue and we can put on a show for the next four well, games you, well. you have no choice, do you, really? Because that's what you're going to do. At no point is Baz going to say, well, it didn't. It, we tried it for the first two tests, but that's it. This is the way now, isn't it? If he's in charge, what's his official title, Baz? Is? Uh, head coach. Head coach. Yeah. So whilst he's head coach of England, this is how you're going to play. Absolutely, yeah. He even said we should go a bit harder next game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. How might you? Well, okay. Take walk us through that. How do you go harder? You just any doubt you had in this game, you take that away, and you you just give us an example of how that might manifest on the pitch. I don't know, but the so in your head you might think, shall I do this or shall I just <laughs> shall I just you know take it a bit easy for ten minutes and, right. and not get out? And Baz would say, no, absolutely do it. Um, and you know he said to me. You know, you know, why didn't you just hit it over why didn't you hit it overfield? It's like they put a man on the on the fence. It's like why didn't you just hit it over him? It's like I wouldn't I didn't even think about that. He's like sixty yards away. It's but, so uh, funny, isn't it? It's, it sounds so simple, Ollie. Why has it been so long coming, do you think? Is it just bra- is it bravery, fearlessness or it's what? bravery and it is simple. And I think cricket is a sport like when you're playing it, man, you can overthink everything. Everything to do with the game. And then I think what Brendan's done is he's sort of narrowed it down and got us thinking probably a bit more logically to be honest and we stay in the moment a lot better he's got a good saying where be where your feet are and he's kind of just like just immerse yourself whatever you're doing whether you're in the field whether you're batting whether you're in the changing room with your mate just immerse yourself in that moment while you're in the cricket environment and that it just helps keep things really simple and if there's a gap in the field just hit it in the gap it's yeah it's a ball coming down at you it's not because there's much more grass than human yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it's that's just the mindset approach. Like we're, I'm not, I'm not always changing the way I play, but I'm just changing the way I think, and that sort of just helps that positive side come out in everything. I can't believe we are fortunate enough to be having this conversation mm. with you two right now. You, honestly, I've got, I've had goosebumps for the last twenty minutes, <laughs> um, because the more you talk about it, the more exciting it is when you think about it. So if, if you regard tennis, for example, 22-yard court, you have two players playing against each other. Um, one is the backstop for the other as, as they're playing their shot and the, those roles reverse every single exchange. Um, and if you think about football, it's the same. It's a contained pitch, 22 players, you know. Rugby's the same, contained pitch. It's not about hitting the ball far. If it, the ball goes out... You know, that's a bad thing. Ball goes out for you. It's a good thing. So if you look at golf courses and the technology with golf and the, the, the distance golfers are hitting golf balls, I'm sure Buzz has thought about this. I'm sure you've discussed all this. You know, golf courses are having to get long, having to have longer holes because the golfers are now physically more um, adept and they're stronger. They have more power and they can hit the ball further. So you get 400 yard drives, 350 yard drives. Cricket, the last time I looked, Lords hasn't got any bigger because it's got buildings around it. <laughs> so you're thinking, so he's zoomed out, hasn't he? 10,000 feet going, guys, you're all fitter and stronger. Just hit the ball out of the ground. <laughs> Is that what he's basically saying? He loves sixes for sure. I mean, he had the record <laughs> before Stokesy beat him. But um, yeah, I mean, you're dead right. He, he talks about it all the time. Just hit, take the positive option, hit it out of the ground. Absolutely, yeah. What else can you? What what other? I know you don't want to give too because I know that this, these are the headlines and there must be some sort of really clever terms and conditions underneath it all. What else can you tell us to just excite us about the next four tests? About your mentality? About your mindset? Um, I think probably the main things we, whenever you see us play, you can almost guarantee the next week was going to be even more that that positive mindset. I think we could be four 0 down. 
and we could go into that oval test with the best mindset possible yeah. and see that as a week just to put on a, the best show ever for everyone who's brought a ticket. A, another zinger of a point. Mm. You know, usually if it's if it's 3-0 in a test series, especially if it's here in England, you don't lose interest because we still love test cricket and we love Ashes cricket, you know, because it, it is the jewel in the crown of everything, all cricket. But you're right, if we we're 4-0 down, we're still going to all want to watch the last game because it, it will be amazing. Absolutely, yeah. I think every game's going to be a close game as well, the it's way so we declare. It's so good. Have you seen the Aussies sort of, are they tempted, you know? Is Kawaji going to get out of his bubble at any point in his life? Not Kawaja. I think you probably see it with a couple of their players. You'll see it with Travis Head. Uh, he just wants to be in the England team, you can tell. Oh, yeah, he even said that to me. I was at short leg. Like, and I want to play a, for you guys. He played, <laughs> he played a shot when I stood next to him and he said, oh, I'm pretty much just one of you guys the way I, hit, the way I play. Uh, and then someone like Alex Carey or maybe David Warner a little bit. Um, but other than that, they're, they're, they'll probably be stubborn with the way they play. Um, they're, yeah. Which is great. It's what you want, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You want them to stay old and you just carry on being you. Yeah, and we'll keep... And then it's, it'll be interesting over the next few years what happens with other test teams, whether... Because it, we're a country, we're lucky enough we get full crowd over the even over the last few years uh, every week. But you see countries that the stadiums are pretty much empty with, for, for test matches, uh, yeah. depending on who's playing, it's obviously. It's really sad, actually. And it is sad, and hopefully this can almost spark maybe other teams to go on like that, and then they can have their version of it where the country gets really attached again, and hopefully they can start packing out grounds again as well. It's not just another Ashes test. It's cricket's past playing against cricket's future. The Ashes just got better. Mm. You are playing for the future of cricket. If the Aussies win this series, people may be tempted to go backwards, not forwards. You have to win for the sake of the game, for the <laughs> sake of the game that you love, that puts bread on your table, that puts foods into the mouths of your babes. You have to win this <laughs> series. Oh, I know that's the plan as well. That is the plan. I think even like we said, even if we go, even if we go two 0 down, hopefully we can win at Lords this week. But even if we're yeah. two 0 down, I can guarantee every person in that changing room is thinking, right, we'll just win three two. How much for a ticket at Lords now for next week? I mean, seriously, it's got to be the, one of the most sought after tickets for a cricket match ever. Vasos, what do you want to say? Well, I mean, just to just to make your point still stronger in the in the. Because you guys were around before last summer when it, this all sort of started. In the 17 tests before Brendan and Ben took over, England had won one of them. And going into the Ashes, they'd won 11 out of 13. And the, and the 13th was that narrow defeat in New Zealand, which was another amazing match, a bit like the first Ashes test. It is so much fun. It's so much fun talking about it. And this, you know, I always think about, you know, like there's such a... Everyone's got an opinion on the, you know, on the Ashes and on how you guys are playing cricket, and there's so much love coming your way. What's it like being in the centre of the storm? I mean, it's, it's so much fun. Like you said, we, I play, we both played in those 17 games. Well, I didn't play all of the 17 games, but there, that was not a lot of fun. We played down under, and um, you know, the team was quite divided, and it, we just weren't getting on, gelling as a team. And I think that's the best part about this this group is how close we are as a team. Uh, and like I say, we go on golf trips, we, you know, have a laugh and then we go out there and play like we're playing as kids. And I mean, that's how everyone plays their best. You kind of get in that free spirit um, and just play very naturally. And that's certainly not how we've all played in the past. We've always been quite forced. And I think that's pretty much what Bad Springs and Stokes, you play very naturally. And yeah, you play like a kid again. That's what we all want in everything, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and you play, play, you know, 
bring out the kid within the fearless because there's the difference between bravery and fearlessness is that bravery is contemplated it's very useful but fearlessness isn't you don't even think about it you just are aren't you it's just your natural way your your um your true nature as it were and your steaming as a team I mean, what it's like being in the Beatles at the moment for you guys, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> this is never well. It's happened a couple of times before, I suppose, under both of them, and you know, different rate. But it's who's, all who's John Lennon out of interest? Who do you think? Who's John Lennon? Who is John Lennon? Yeah, who do you think is John Lennon? What in your team? Yeah. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Can I get back to you on that one? Yeah, I want to give you me. the right answer. Yeah, that's fine. Who's George Harrison? Most, most of the point. <laughs> <laughs> I know who um, who Brian Epstein is. Go on. He's the manager, so he's bats. Okay, that, that one's easy. Um, George Martin, who was the producer, that might be Ben Stokes, even though he's in the team. He could be a player producer, I suppose. You're not giving Stokes Lennon? No, I wouldn't give Stokes Lennon. No, I wouldn't. Remember who Stokes he want to be, though. He wants to be Elvis. That's oh, Stokes he wants Elvis, to be Elvis. Yeah. But he's, he's got a bit of flint. That's it. the flint off in him. Yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that was all. It's teams, isn't it? It's teams. When you can steam as a team and you like each other and you get on. And you get these 11 or squad, you know, how many in a cricket squad? How many? 15, 15, 16. 16. You know, all these different people feeling different things at the same time, coming together on the same wavelength, like an orchestra being conducted by the perfect um, conductor, getting it all right at the right times. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. Steve says, tell Ollie, uh, Steve Parker says, hi. I was his under eight cricket coach. Uh, I was, and my, and my drama teacher. I was better at cricket than drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not, not nowadays. You combine the two. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that... What else did you like other than cricket, Zach? Me? Yeah. Uh, golf. 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 I was, I was sports. I mean, I, I didn't mind school. History? Yeah. That, but no, not really. Okay. He's see, that's another... Himself. See, the way, you would, the way you would disrupt schools, like you've disrupted cricket... Talk about history. You, you know, you're taking on the past of cricket, yeah, with the future. Why, why do we teach history at school, but we don't have a lesson called future? How do you teach future? How do you disrupt cricket? Same thing. You yeah. get somebody with an amazing brain who knows no bounds and goes, well, hang on a minute, there aren't any The only rules that, there, that are here are the ones we've made up anyway, so let's have a new set of rules. Like Central, it. alt, delete, boom. And all you're left with then is the BS folder. So you get rid of that as well, and on you go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Tell us about, if you don't mind, can we talk about the declaration on day one, right? Which was brilliant. And when, when Ben Stokes, you know, he called everybody in at like 6.07 or whatever it was. And obviously everybody's saying, you know, why didn't you stay in? Why didn't you go for a mad 50 extra runs? Could have been the difference. I don't really care. I'm not taking anybody to task on this. What, just um, let's have a fun conversation about it. What's what's the what's the um, locker room take on that? No, there's no regrets over that declaration. I think, and that's again what we're about as a team. We make these decisions, uh, and we back them a hundred percent. And once they're made, that is us, and we're going to immerse ourselves into that job. But. I think we, we declared with the idea that we've given ourselves a chance to get two late wickets that day. They've got to go rock up. The next day, they're suddenly two down for yeah. hopefully 50. They, they start wobbled, basically. Yeah, they start so wobbled. worth the risk to wobble them. 100%. And right. if you look at it as well, they've won that game with, what, seven overs left in the day? We don't want to play for draws. We gave ourselves the maximum, through declaring, even on that first day, we've given ourselves more overs to be able to try and bowl them out in on that last day, especially with the rain about. So I think that's another 
pretty valid point to make is that if we had carried on batting, then suddenly we've only got 60 overs to try and bowl yeah. them out rather than 70 or 80. Um, so I think, you, again, that's our mindset as a team. We don't regret any decision that is made. Uh, it's Everything's very well thought out. It's not just like, oh, go on, let's declare. Yeah, and also every decision is a, is a school day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Of course it is. Exactly. And we've had some, I mean, Pakistan, I, I remember thinking when Stokesy declared, I was like, what are you doing declaring now? They're going to cruise past this game. We ended up having one of the most famous test wins ever abroad yeah. because of that stroke of genius from from the skipper. It was 100% the right thing to do. I'm convinced of it. I mean, I opened the batting. That was a nightmare time to bat for them. 15, 20 minutes to the end. Now, I would have hated that if I was them. And the, yeah, they got through it and that's fine. But, you know, it was... It stokes you would do that 100 times out of 100. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. I mean... You know, there was a new ball around the corner. The boys could have got out. I mean, Joe was batting really well, but, you know, anyone can get out. They could have gone bang, bang. It would have been the same thing. Like uh, Popey said, we gave ourselves a good chance to win. Um, and we're always just trying to make plays and trying to put the opposition under pressure all the time. And that's what pretty much, like you talk about basketball, that is that is basketball. And, I mean, Stokesy will declare that 100 times out of 100, I think. And, uh, and I, I'm convinced it's the right thing to do. Always fortunate to be picked for your country, regardless of what sport you're in um, or what profession you're in. You know, it doesn't have to be sport to be picked to play for England or, or Scotland or Ireland or Northern Ireland or Wales. Um, but particularly in this era, I mean, you know, are you are you conscious of the fact, by the way, if it is, forgive me if I'm putting words into your mouth, are you conscious of the fact that this is a very special time to play for England? And it always is, I know that, so let's just park that. Mm. But this is super special. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know how lucky. I mean, because obviously I've played before this era, and now, and you do realise like how lucky we are, and and you're enjoying it. That's what we did. Uh, you know, as a kid, when you're practicing and you want to play cricket for your, but it's just just pro cricket to start, and then you're playing for your country. You're thinking, I want to do this because it's enjoyable. You don't do it because you know it's like it's you know it's better than other jobs. Um, and then you kind of forget that when you're in the, under the pressure. But uh, the last year under this regime. Um, has been so enjoyable and that's the way it should always be um, but it hasn't always been that way Ollie, Yeah the same um, I think having again like we said we lo- we won one game in 17 and uh, for a good while we weren't the most loved team it's miserable as well Yeah and, and it did and it felt that's what it felt like yeah, for yeah. a little bit as well um, so I think it's such a big honour and to share the change room with guys like Jimmy Anderson Stuart Broad obviously guys who are near at some point I don't know when but at some point probably nearing the end of their career they're to, in the winter of their career yeah, yeah. and hopefully they've got another couple of years each yeah. um, but to, to be able to share this change room now in a well-liked England team with guys like that and to be to be doing what we're doing I think in a world where franchise cricket's trying to take over um, guys can go earn so much money for six weeks work but for every man in that England changing room they would give up every every penny to be doing what we're doing at the minute so yeah. I think that's such a special thing I was thinking on the way in today because I was so excited about you coming in we all were weren't we Vass? I suddenly yeah. got Jack Johnson playing as well today and we get paid for this and it's like the best job in the world I'm best for, for us best job in the mm. world right so I'm driving in today I'm thinking okay because I'm inspired by you guys I'm thinking okay if I could come up with one if, if we all had as non-players, as spectators, fans of cricket, test cricket, the Ashes, if we all had to also step up to the plate and add one suggestion in the ideas box for disrupting cricket, then this would be mine. You ready for mine? So mine would be all test matches have to go down to four days, not five, right? And no team can bat for more than a day. So you are limited to a day of 
per innings. So four innings for four days, but you don't have to bat for a day, but you can't bat for more than a day. So whoever goes in first, they know by 6.30 that night, no matter how many wickets are down, they know that they are done and dusted, like basketball, 24 seconds, you know, end to end in, in basketball. But then that would take away the element of bravery for you guys saying, well, we're going to do it regardless. Mm. So that would make it automatic. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's not a good idea. But that's all I could think of and on the way. We live in, in England. What if it right? Do we get an extra day if it gets rained out? If you like. You're you're okay. the cricketer, not me. <laughs> 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 well, well, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about? It? You don't need to. Sp- what you've done is you don't need to spice it up with rule changes now, like they've tried with golf and the other sport in the past. Because you just said, look, within the, within the rules, within the laws of the game, let's just spice it up anyway. Have you ever thought about other things? Well, I what you said earlier was bang on. The fact that everyone usually uses all the time they've got. But we don't. We're trying to like a boxer. You don't get paid for overtime. So you know, we we um, we just want to win quickly, and that, I think that comes to our advantage. So if they want to win in five days and we want to win in three, I think that plays to our advantage. So I think leaving it at five, the rain help. It gives us an extra day. You wouldn't have had the last game if you didn't have five as well. I've always enjoyed five days as well. Yeah, just, no, fair enough. And it's um, great for the crowd. Yeah. And will we get to a fifth day? Will the tickets? Can you go and see it for a tenner and all this kind of stuff? Which is yeah, exactly. But you know, you might as well have the extra day on the end. But right, I, so, I, I like I like the idea you're thinking, though. Chris. Yeah, no, I'm having a go. It was yeah. four o'clock in the morning. You know, I was, was, <laughs> I was trying not to get done for more for speeding again on the A40. Is there anything to take my mind off it? And um, Ollie and Zach, I could literally talk to you all morning. I hope you can sense that. So. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. You know, I'm so happy for for this team. I'm so happy for the message it sends out to people in their lives. You know, you don't have to play by the book. Who wrote the book in the first place? You know, whether it's education, whether it's what you're doing for a living, whether it's who you're with, whether it's the, the friend group you're in, you can tear it up any day you like, as long as you don't, you know, don't do any harm, but tear it up, fill your boots. I love it. Anything else you want to say before we say goodbye? No, thanks for having us yeah, can you fun. give all our best to the, to the, to the dressing room absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and bring on Lords anything else Vassos? are you guys going to be watching Heather and the girls at Trent Bridge today yeah they start in a couple of hours don't they yeah yeah absolutely wedged into that and they're promising positive cricket as well I mean last last time there was an Ashes test I think it was in Canberra um, England were nine wickets down so Australia needed one wicket two overs to go 12 runs needed to win and England did like what history tells them to do which is uh, Kate Cross I think just basically blocked out the draw but I think if that happened again now they'd go for the win yeah. and you know and that's 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 down to you guys it's I think. re-engaging so yeah. many kids with the game as well um do you think from a, a sports psychology point of view, Jimmy Anderson's back being called Taylor is a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bad idea, but, you know, Jimmy's Jimmy, you know, he does well. It's also he, the name of his podcast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, who is, it? is it a Grey Nichols back? It's Grey Nichols. He also hit the second best shot of the game we were talking about last last week. So uh, after Zach's obviously first ball of the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he, he takes it on. Yeah, it's yeah. his podcast. Oh, just have the best summer, guys. It's one you'll never forget for the rest of your lives. And you are you have you have set cricket alight. Which and it, it, the thing, thing about the Ashes series is you can sort of take it for granted, can't you? Because we're all excited about the Ashes anyway. But you've not done that. You know, you, you know that you're on the biggest stage with the best back catalogue, the, the 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 most hits. You know, and you're all on fire, and it's a sellout crowd. But you've said that's not enough. We need to do more, and that's what you've done. So. 
I, sh- I should have, I'll stop gushing now. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Well Cheers. done. That is Cinch. He's Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. England sponsored by Cinch. Everything sponsored by Cinch. We're sponsored by Cinch. Uh, Jack Johnson isn't, but he might be by the time he finishes. <laughs> Give us the big intro, please, Vassos. Our next guest is a professional surfer, a fantastic filmmaker and a stellar singer-songwriter. If he could just leave some talent for the rest of us, that would be great. His new album, In Between Dub, is out now and his tour continues in London. And now, sitting, waiting, wishing for this intro to finish, is the jubilant, joyful Jack Johnson! Good morning, Jack! Good morning. Oh, gosh, we are so happy to have you here. I know that we didn't reach out to you and your team until yesterday. Uh, Thanks for saying yes. Oh, my pleasure. It seemed like a good idea. You reached out at a good time. It was in the afternoon. We were awake. said, let's do it. And then this morning, the first text I sent my friend who's here with me, I was like, this sucks. What are we doing? This is more, <laughs> why do we agree to do this? We're, I'm, I'm kind of on Hawaii time still. You know, it's the op- it, it's easy to do the the switch because if I look at my my watch, all I gotta do is change the AM to the PM, and it's it's 12 hours. Oh, back is to it Hawaii. really? Yeah, pretty much. I've never been to Hawaii. You know, uh, last stop Los Angeles. Thought about it many many times. We've got we have a million children now, so it's another five hours on the plane. But I hope to get there one day. Um, you brought the weather with you. Thanks for that. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like amazing. It no, this is nice. I know it's. Uh, it does feel like Hawaii right now. I know your story inside out. Many people won't. Let's just touch it. I know you've told this a thousand times before. I'm so sorry. Your dad built a boat and he sailed it to Hawaii. He didn't need to because planes have been invented. Right. Yeah, he fixed that. Yeah, that's an exaggeration. I'll, I'll keep correcting your exaggerations as Please we go. Please do. But... I'm very excited today, as you can tell. <laughs> he uh, he fixed up an old boat, though. He did. He. Uh... He learned about boats, and he, and he claims he learned how to sail on that trip. It was a dumb idea. There was no GPS or anything at the time. He was 21, and he sailed to Hawaii by himself. And uh, my mom flew over and met him over there, and I was lucky enough they decided to stay, and that's where they, they raised us over there. And, wow. Uh, Do you remember the first time you ever clambered on a surfboard? You know, I, got a, I don't know the first time, but the first memory I have was up in the front of the board. My dad used to take me out, and he had... He would kind of hold my shoulder as we'd take off on a wave. And I do have this memory of kind of watching the curl of the wave coming over. And then we were inside of what you call the tube or a barrel. And it's like you're inside the cylinder of the wave as it breaks over you. And then just totally got in the washing machine and just upside down. And he pulled me up. And it was so much fun. I just wanted to go do it again. But I was a little guy. Four weeks on Friday. Four weeks coming this Friday, 21st of July. 12.15, me and my family very fortunate to take off again to go to Los Angeles for a, a month uh, in Venice. And I'll be trying to surf again on oh, Santa good. Monica Beach, but I am rubbish. Right? <laughs> That's all right. Whoever's I mean, having the most fun is the best I know, but you were brought up, you know, wait, my kids are brilliant. My three-year-old, Boo, she surfed all the way in on her own last year because kids bounce and grown-ups yes, yeah, don't. Yeah. What, give, can you give me one surfing hack, please, Jack? Use a really big board. You get a boat. Try you know? that. Yeah. Don't don't <laughs> let somebody give you a small board. It's too hard in the beginning. You just yeah, want yeah. like a big floaty boat, you know, and just go straight and. And my 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 surf teacher is called Crash, right? Because he he looks like <laughs> sounds like Nip. a horrible. He looks like Nip. horrible name for a teacher. No, I know, but you know he's he's pretty. He's in a yeah. band as well, but basically he stands in the sea and he just pushes us off. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good that's a good idea. Isn't that's it? the way you do it. Yeah. That's yeah. the way you do it. Yeah, cool. I've got I've actually like thrown my shoulder out from pushing my kids in so many waves, and I used to be a director of a surf and kayak camp. That was the job I ever had, actually, for three summers after college. I ran a little camp, and I used to have, like, 30 kids, you know, like, down there. And then the pickup time would come, and I would be stressing out, making sure I had them all. And I used to have, like, anxiety dreams some nights where I'd think, like, 
man, where's all those kids? And uh, But anyways, I used to do that. I threw my shoulder out, pushing so many kids into waves <laughs> back then. Uh, we're with Jack Johnson. JackJohnsonMusic.com is where you need to go. In Between Dreams is where it all began. In Between Dub is where we are now. Um, Jack, if you just play us a few songs and we'll chat in between, if that's all yeah, right with you. Sounds great. If you get tired or fed up, you can just leave. If not, stay here for the rest of the sounds day. Great. I know you've got another gig tonight at the event in Apollo. How was last night, by the way? It was great. What was really it? fun. Yeah, that was one of the funnest gigs we've had in a long time. Tell, us, was, tell us why. Well, Holly Cook was there. We um, we got a chance to meet and um, she came up and played some songs with us and she's just lovely. And it's always fun to make new musical friends. We had a great time playing music with her and crowd was great it was just fun fun to be inside of a theater we've been doing a lot of festivals outdoors yeah, yeah. in the you know it feels like the afternoon because the sun sets so late and um so it, it, to be inside a theater again was a lot of fun last night and same again tonight yeah yeah we'll play again tonight and getting up to do this in the morning <laughs> you are such a saint no, we're fun. in the company of saint jack johnson what are you going to play for us first i'm going to play the lowest songs i got since it's so early okay mate this is one called home thank you it's about traveling and wherever we are that's home tonight and so Thanks for making us home here in your place. I've got to get home, there's a garden to tend, all the fruits on the ground. The birds have all moved back into my attic, whistled and static. The young learn to fly, I will patch up the holes once again. Thank you, thank you. It's control room hey. cheer, they're very rare. But there's one here today. Right. Jack nice Johnson with us live this morning. Jack Johnson's new album, In Between Dub, is out now. He's currently on tour in the UK. It's a, it's a mini but marvellous tour. Only four dates here in the UK. So you can still go and see him tonight. Actually, no, sold out tonight at the Hammersmith event in Apollo, so forget that. Uh, Cornwall's just sold out. So, actually, you've got to come to Berkshire on June the 25th. That's this weekend at the Wasting Estate. Um, there are just a few tickets left for that, and then he's off to Zurich. So... Earlier on off the air, Jack, I said today, I said, your life's been a bit like, this is me speaking for you, please forgive me, uh, please correct me again, right? Sure, sure. Your life's been a bit like uh, what you do for a profession is surf, but you don't get paid for it, and what you do for a hobby is music and you do. Is that sort of, does that, <laughs> is, that, is that helpful in the description of your mindset? You know, the surfing thing, <clears throat> it kind of gets exaggerated because... Growing up in Hawaii, almost every teenage kid thinks he's going to be a surfer, a professional surfer. And so I had a chance to kind of flirt with that for a minute. No, hang on. Come on. You were the youngest qualifier ever for, what was it? The uh, Pipe Masters Trials. Yeah, come on. You got to put trials in there. I, mean, I, I surfed in the trials. I made the finals of that, but then uh, I lost there. I, got, uh, I went down in the trials. So I never made the main event. It was, um, no, it was fun. And I, I knew all the guys. And, you know, the thing that worked out really good... I grew up with all these people that by the time I finished film school, they were all the best surfers in the world. So then when I graduated, I got to take the camera with me. We started making surf films because it was really just an excuse to travel with my friends to places like Indonesia and uh, Tahiti and places like that. And it was... September Sessions is one of the, fi yeah. the films. What was the other one? Uh, Thicker Than Water. Thicker Than Water. September have Sessions. you seen Endless Summer? Yeah, of course. H how great is that film? It's great. For people who have never... No, even wonderful. if you're not into surfing, watch one of Jack's films or... Well, there are many, uh, but Endless Summer is like... If you if you if you if you feel a little bit blue or you're in the middle of just stick endless summer on. It's uh, really sweet. The soundtrack is so oh, good. It's so it. good. Yeah. And all, let's talk about soundtracks because isn't it true that the first time that one of your songs ever featured on a soundtrack, it was embarrassingly for you a film that you made. Yeah. So you know we were we had a song plugged into the the last uh, spot on the movie and then 
A movie was, that you were making. The movie we were making, uh, it was well, it was September. So I'd done a bunch of music on Thicker Than Water, but it was all instrumental. I just did the background music. And last minute, we found out we didn't get the uh, the rights to use a song, and so my friends turned to me and they're like, "Hey, you got to put that one in there." And I was like, "It's so cheesy. The guy, it's gonna seem like I'm pushing my music." And luckily, I had really supportive friends, you know. Uh, because it's a sunset shot, isn't it? Yeah, 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 you're right. It's right during the sunset, and it's called F-Stop Blues, and we put this song. I wrote the song on the trip, so in hindsight, it all made perfect sense, but I was too embarrassed at the time. It felt like I was, you know, I'm the camera guy. I can't put my music in. Everybody's going to think I'm trying to push it. And so the song was written on the trip. It was kind of about, you know, being there, and it had imagery in the song that was in the movie. And so anyways, we put that out, and it was like, then all of a sudden, every surf spot I'd be at, People would ask me when I'm going to put out an album and all this stuff. And it was funny because as we were traveling, making those surf films, that was my first little crew. If we were in the south of France, if we were in Australia, we went to Ireland one time, there'd always be a, some kids in the lineup. I mean, I, I was just a kid at the time too, but people in their 20s would be like, hey, would you come over to my house and play a little, I'll get my friends to come over and you could do a little show. So I used to play these little living room shows, like anywhere I had a little surf culture. I could I could fill a living room was the first gigs I was doing and it was pretty fun. Everybody would just come around and I'd play a bunch and then I'd pass the guitar and I would go around the room. Everybody would play their songs. Was that the guitar your mum and dad bought you? Was it, it still was, that one? Yeah. Do you, still, you still play with that, don't you? Is it on I, I don't have it here with me. Is that I, the one? No, no, I don't have because it today. I was going to say it's darker, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's. Um, I love that guitar. It's it's fun when you can open a case and look at a guitar and it looks like an old vintage guitar, and you realize you're the one that made all the marks on you're it. You're the vin- you're the guy. Yeah, yeah. It took we took it around for years. It made it. All those surf destinations. So Does it sound different to the other guitars? It's um, it sounds really nice. I, it feels different to hold it. It's like the action of the guitar, the the distance between the fretboard and the strings. Is it bigger? You get really used to certain things, you know. And it's like all the first songs I tried to write and everything were on that guitar. So when I hold it, you remember it's like the I pain. Yeah, yeah, you do. You <laughs> pain get the, of the fretboard. Yeah, totally. Wow. So you're going to uh, Zurich after here next week and then you're going to Austria and then you're going to Italy so I know I know Australia's big for you because Australia's where you did that thing with the passport another very, very famous story the visa entering oh, Australia yeah. Yeah. this is a great story so so for ages Jack as you can hear is a reluctant um, you're not a reluctant performer but you know you, you are you were you used to be embarrassed about like wanting to or even daring to say you were a professional musician yeah, yeah it's but one day you're body gave you a hell yeah when your mind was reluctant <laughs> when my face hit the reef you mean or no no when you when you started to write musician in oh right yeah yeah. because your brain didn't want to do it your well i've been did- to australia so many times we've made a lot of surf movies down there and every time we'd enter i'd write down student because we didn't have any permits to shoot or anything you know and i was trying to get all this uh film in all the 60 millimeter film out a whole bag full of it so when we go through they'd always say what's all this for and we'd always say we were students making a student film and then this one time I was going in and I was like, I think I might have even written the S down. And I was like, wait a second, we're going in for a festival. I got no camera with me or anything. And so I wrote down musician and I started, I like stalled halfway through just thinking, am I really going to write this? Yeah, yeah. And it was like the moment I always think about where I committed and I guess I'm a musician now, you know. Yeah, so it's the moment where you're sort of destiny stared you in the face yeah. by your own hand. Yeah, yeah. Involuntarily. It's <laughs> true. So true, isn't it? I love it, that. It reminds me Old Man of the Sea. I always liked in that book where he he trusts his right hand, I think it is, and he doesn't trust his left hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, but my right hand, yeah, I did the writing. And it's my kids, even just the other day when we were coming up to a show, and they're teenagers now, and all these people were coming in, like, lining up outside the show, and they were like, we were just talking, Dad. It's, 
you seem like the last person in the world who would want this. This is so funny. Like all these people coming to look at you. You know, you got to be up there and they're all going to look at you tonight. And it is funny. I go in and out of that. It's it's definitely not my natural state. I enjoy it. Like I love making music. I love recording it. And I love sharing it. But it's such a strange thing to uh, definitely not an entertainer. You don't need it, do you? <laughs> well, I don't need it. No, I don't need it. But it's um, I do enjoy it and I do appreciate it. I never want it to come off like I don't appreciate it. No, I know. I get it completely. It's a lot you, of fun. You are unique. I think you're unique, uh, you know, from that perspective. Can we have another song, please, Jack Johnson? I love it, yeah. <clears throat> Play you one called uh, Better Together. Oh, I gotta <laughs> let me retune this thing. Still tuned down to D. I'm not bad. This will be better. Control room cheer! Very rare, Jack. Control room cheers. <laughs> Wow. So In Between Dreams is where it started. In Between Dub is where we are now. Tell us about In Between Dub. Uh, it's a really fun project. It, it all started, we had the idea, actually my friend, I just turned around and realized he's in the other room over there. My friend Emmett, who's, uh, we've been friends since we made this, he used to edit those surf movies we've been talking about. And then one day we were in a room and I got a phone call. I, I, I'm digressing here, but I got a phone call and it was somebody from... Um, a big time producer and they asked if I'd come in for this. They'd heard my little demo tape and they asked if I'd come in for a meeting. And the last thing they said was, will you call your manager or do you want us to reach out to your manager? And for some reason I lied in the moment. I had no manager, I had nothing. And I said, oh, I'll call my manager. And then I hung up and he was there and I was like, hey, I just told these people I had a manager. You gotta come with me, pretend like you're my manager. So <laughs> he came with me and then him and my wife started reading all these books. Like literally we ordered books and how stuff. They were like, how to, how to manage an artist and stuff. And they just, he, I don't think he ever read the book, actually. My wife did, though. And so him and my wife manage me now. And um, so one day, Emmett right there was, uh, hey, what if we send your songs to Lee Scratch Perry and see if he'd do like a dub remix of it? And so he said yes, and he did three songs. Like, first we just sent him three songs and said, pick whatever one you like the best. And he sent all three back. And it was sweet, and I got to talk to him, and it was... Uh, it was great. He was all the way in Jamaica and I was in Hawaii, so we only got to talk on FaceTime and stuff, but it was really surreal. He's such a, definitely a inspiration, you know, it's something that I grew up on his music. So he sent these songs back and then he passed away and it was so sad and we had these songs and we started, decided we'd try to make, uh, based around those ones, we did a whole record. We sent some to Dennis Bovell and uh, Scientist and The Mad Professor, um, Yard, Yardcore, uh, all kinds of people, Nightmares on Wax and got this whole record together of like dub remixes of all of our songs so cool and your 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 style of music really lends itself to to that doesn't it yeah you know it's like it's always been influenced by it it's like there's there's drum rhythms in there that are reggae rhythms a lot of the tones like the bass the warm bass tones um just it's like i grew up on like gregory isaacs and marley the first show the first show i ever got to go to with my friends where we drove ourselves was ziggy marley and the melody makers when we were kids and it's, I got the tour with Ziggy this summer, and it was really fun to get to tell him the stories, like my my first memories, because he's not much older than me. He was, we were probably like 15 or something at the time, and he was 18, I think, you know. And so we got to go see him when he came to Hawaii. But in in Hawaii, reggae is so big, so it was like, 
yeah, it's always been a big influence on my songwriting. And you get, but you and you get back to like the Woody. I know you love Woody Guthrie as well. You yeah. know, and, and very voice led. It's not dissimilar, is it? In a way, if you no. go back all the to, to rap <clears throat> nowadays or to to those voice led rhythmical voice led mm. tracks. Yeah, it's all folk music in a way. You know? It is, it's isn't from it? Different areas, different cultures, different influences. I know you love Woody Guthrie, don't you? Yeah, I like Woody. I like I love folk music. I love yeah. that story you tell about Woody Guthrie, where he is it a Dylan poem and um, and he messes about with it and he leaves the lines too long for the music and you have to jump in with the words at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like um, well, it's, what's that song? What am I? Talking it's about? actually a poem that poem. Bob Dylan read one time, That's and it's right. called "Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie." And I got a tape when I was in Indonesia. Uh, my brothers took me one time when I was a teenager, and you could buy like for a dollar their bootleg tapes, and I got this one. And it had last thoughts on Woody Guthrie, and I I learned it all the way through, and it's like a seven-minute poem or something, and that probably influenced my songwriting as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, I won't do the whole thing, but it's like um, I used to put it to music, and it's like uh, I think I something like this. It's when your head gets twisted or your mind grows numb. You think you're too old, too smart, too young, too dumb. You're lagging behind or you're losing your pace in the slow motion crawl of life's busy race. No matter what you're doing, if you start giving up, if the wine don't come to the top of your cup. It, it goes on and on, you know, for seven minutes, but it's like the, the rhythmic pattern of that, it just felt so fresh when I it. Heard sounds it. like the words are going to run out of road because they just keep yeah, on yeah. coming. Is it, the guitar, is the, are the words going to beat the guitar or the guitar going to beat the words? Yeah, it's like the, it's, every line stumbles onto the next line. And so that style really, I started doing a lot of stream of conscious this writing when I would when I heard that and just tried to kind of uh, emulate that a little. Do you need a philosophy when you live in one? Because you seem to live in the philosophy of film, music, surfing, and family. You know, do you have a philosophy or, I mean, I know that you tell that great story about you don't learn to go to sleep if you live where you live in Hawaii because every 12 seconds you get the wash of a wave and you get, you know, you, what's this thing you're talking about, your electronic thing? Binaural beats. You get, you get natural binaural beats, don't you? You grow up with them. Do you yeah. have a philosophy or do you live in a philosophy? I don't know if I have one. It's, I mean, the thing that pops in my head right now, I tend to digress a lot, but it's like I was just telling my kids yesterday um, a parenting philosophy is I just encourage them to try to produce more than they consume you know it's like there's oh, so much that's good with all the social media stuff it's that's like good. i'm always just telling them just try to make stuff like draw pictures and you know make little animations and write songs and it's okay to consume but it's all the source like you're, you're taking in things from the source and then it's like you got to put back out so like my only little philosophy as far as parenting is just produce more than you consume i've never heard that before that's so simple um, because there's just you're overwhelmed with consumption or, or opportunities yeah. to consume now. But it can all be cool. I mean, if you're if you're taking it in and get inspired by it, you know, and and finding something. But as long as you want to make stuff too, and you're not just be, don't just get sucked into being a consumer all the time. So many people dream about going to Hawaii. Um, so many people, you know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac basically moved there and owned it for a while. Um, other people who I love and admire have moved there, lived there. You know, I've never been. What's it like? Give us a bluffer's guide. If we were there for two or three days, where would we go? How do you soak up the signature of Hawaii, you know, first first time around? Or uh, can, can you, can you? I mean, it's hard to. Every island's so different, you know. It's like, um, and then when you grow up there too, it's 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 just life. Like, you know, you got all the normal stuff of all, work, you know, your work and going to school and all the normal things that kids deal with going through school and all that stuff. So I don't know, it's just like, when I think of it, it's just home and it's reality and all those things, the good and the bad, but it's a beautiful place. It's uh, The culture is really amazing, you know, and the, 
language is coming back, Olala Hawaii, and it's um, it's a, the cultures. It's really um, it's something. It's, it's beautiful. Um, I think we're almost done. I mean, I could talk to you forever. Uh, is there anything you want to get out to your UK fans? I mean, people will be watching this around the world. We'll clip it up. It'll go viral. Blah blah blah. What would you like to say? To no, people? I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been fun having a nice conversation. People kept telling me that that you were you know into it and a fan or whatever. Not fans, the wrong word, but just no. I am somebody a fan. Who's I'm into a fan. Music and... <laughs> Jack, I'm a fan. Okay, we're all <laughs> no, fans. No, like, but I can tell you know it's it's fun. It's it's fun to be somewhere where, where people appreciate the music and. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed coming on. So we're in the sunshine. It's our fourth week of sunshine here in the UK. Glastonbury starts today. It's going to be sunny all weekend. It's getting warmer and warmer and it's going to carry on. We have day three of Royal Ascot. Same there. And we're joined now by Jack Johnson, who brought this weather over secretly four weeks ago, just so it was the perfect backdrop to his vibe. Isn't that right, Jack Johnson? <laughs> it's in my rider. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what is your rider, by the way? Oh, I don't know. It's Give us a, the headlines. It's, uh, my rider's... Uh, it's pretty simple, but it's also we kind of asked for a lot as far as like the uh, the greening of the event, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's been cool because when we do that, people would make those changes, and then usually when we come back a few years later, they'll tell us they've implemented the changes for every show since, you know. Yeah. And um and so we just try to support like uh, the local food system by with the with the backstage food, and depends on if it's a festival, try to encourage them to like support local farmers and those things, and then. Uh, as much as we can, we get away from the plastic, you know, being a surfer, I see plastic in Hawaii, the plastic pollution problems become really so bad. hard to get away from it though, isn't it? Cause yeah. it's literally got us surrounded. Yeah. But you know, it's like, we've been able to do these, uh, reusable pine cup programs at the shows where, you know, people can come in and we've done some plastic free shows and it's been, it's good. We try to meet the different promoters where they're at and just encourage them to do better. And it's, uh, it's been good. <laughs> uh, we all run, we're runners. And uh, so we have lots of, uh, running shoes at home. You have turned up in sandals today, which is so cool. We'd have been, we, we may have thrown you out had you yeah, not. Uh, yeah. Do you have loads of sandals at home? No, I just got this one pair. It's a, and it's funny because now my uh, that's so cool. My kids are all this. We're all the same size. I got two teenage boys. Right. And so in Hawaii, there's like a funny thing when people show up at a party or a barbecue. It's like everybody leaves them at the door. And then if you're leaving early, you can upgrade, you know? And it's I know, like a I thing, you like look this. around and you see your friend's got a nicer pair. And so you just put those on. And then Nobody minds? People mind. It's a funny thing. That's the, that's the part that's good. It's like, so my kids are always upgrading. When they go to school, it's like I go outside. I don't have any shoes. I got to just. So I do. I brought a pair of uh, some running shoes, though, with me because my wife and I will try to go do something like run around a park or something. Yeah. So I brought some running shoes. Hyde Park, you could do a lot worse than that. Hyde Park um, is gearing up for pink this weekend. I know, that's cool. 100,000 people. And then on the 6th of July, you've got Springsteen. The 7th, Billy Joel. The 8th, Springsteen. Um, you are not going to be around for that. No. So you're Italying in the first uh, week of July, and then you're back home. Yep, then back home. Yeah. Who do you like to go and see? He's blown you away performing live. Oh, I saw uh, Karungbin recently. Karungbin's a really cool band. They came to Hawaii. Um, how great. is Hawaii for, for imported music? Is, you is know, it... it's pretty cool. It's like um, when I was a kid, I got to see Fugazi a lot, which was the band that made me want to start a band. I heard them on the radio. And then, uh, yeah, they used to come. And um, some people kind of make it part of their deal, and they just know it's pretty far to get, and you probably break even at best because of all the travel and everything. But a lot of bands like to come there. What's uh, morning radio like? Is there any slots for some yeah, yeah. quirky Brits? <laughs> yes, come on over. <laughs> come rock it. The, uh, yeah, we just opened for Bruce Springsteen a couple nights ago, though. It was really fun at a festival. 
Simply Red and, and Bruce hang Springsteen. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just, just back the truck up. What? What? Yeah, well, it was a festival. So when I say open, we were on Where? the bill. I'm, I'm exaggerating again. It was at the Workter Festival. Oh, wow. It was really cool. We got to, yeah, we were, uh, we played first and then Simply Red and then Bruce Springsteen. Have you met him? No, I didn't get to meet him just because we, we had to take off before he was done. So we didn't get a chance to. He to is, meet. he is some performer, isn't he? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. What, what about the, because we've been in, this might be the best summer ever for live music in the UK. I mean, we've, Pink's been around, Beyonce's been around. Um, who else? There's loads of other people I'm forgetting now. Sorry, I can't hear you, Mira. It doesn't matter. Anyway, lots and lots and lots and lots of amazing people. Um, but Springsteen right up there. You know, 73, 74. Rod Stewart played in my garden at the weekend. He's 78. Wow. Right? McCartney, 80. Those are all young, though, because I just played uh, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday. <laughs> I know. It was I know. Fun. How's he doing? He's great. He's amazing. One of my favorite songs of all time. What am I going to say? What am I going to say, Jack? Uh, roll me up and smoke me when I die. No, oh. you can do that if you like. <laughs> now, on the road again. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one great, of the yeah. best songs in yeah. the world, isn't it? It's got it's that roll. Again, it's, it sounds like it's never going to end. Oh, you never wanted to. Yeah, it. no, it's true. Oh, I've, 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 I've had the honor to play that with him I on stage. I just want to get on the road. You played that well, song what? with like 20 other people, you know, like at the end of a show where we're all just playing along and you got a tambourine or something and it's fun. <gasps> it's, uh, Tell us about your Willie Nelson song. Well, so, the one I said is actually a Willie song. He's got a song that says, uh, Roll me up and smoke me when I die. And if anyone don't like it, just look them in the eye. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving. So don't you sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. And so I thought, I love that song. And I played that with him a bunch of times too. And so one time I was backstage, I was about to go on and I... I decided I would write this other song I'll play now. It's, um, it's a true story. It happened one night on Maui because he spends time over there. And it's, um, well, I'll just play the song. It's called Willie Got Me Stoned and Took All My Money. And it goes like this. Willie got me stoned and took all my money. I was $50 up, but then my mind went funny. It didn't really help that I didn't know the rules of the game. And it probably didn't help that I couldn't remember my name after Willie got me stoned and took all my cash. I don't want Jack to go. I, I want Jack to stay. Don't you? Lock the doors. Oh, so Maybe Rachel, can... during the ad break, Rachel asked Jack about what's his typical day on Maui. So what is it? Oh, a typical day is just normal stuff. It bum everybody out. It's like getting the kids to school and coaching soccer, you know, what we call it soccer over there. Um, no, but if I'm lucky, if I'm working on an album, I'm lucky because my studio's in the garage, so I'll just getting there and I try to surf every day I don't know how to do anything else to keep myself fit you know it's like what I've kind of learned to do when I go on tour I wax my, my wife and I joke around because I wax and I wane and on tour I wax I get a lot bigger from all the catering and all that you know and then it's funny isn't it I don't do much well I play shows and all that but I if I'm not surfing every day I don't know what to do so it's, I gotta surf yeah, and also I'm sure you you have a huge appetite because of the surfing because the thing about you know when we go away we surf 30 days straight and I come back and I'm, I'm as ripped as I'll ever get. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because it's all the getting out and getting on. <laughs> yeah. The surfing's the easy bit, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, hopefully tomorrow, because I'm heading to Cornwall tonight after the show. And so uh, the surf report looks all right, actually. And I got some friends down there aboard. So I'll be surfing tomorrow and the next day, hopefully. Yeah, and you might not need a full wet for once in England. Oh, really? Good. Yeah, it's, it's warmer. All right. Um, nice. What do you know about Jack O'Neill? I talk about Jack O'Neill quite a lot. Oh, yeah. The guy who invented. I know the... a little bit of I mean, his story. He's great. His story's yeah. amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, he's, he's a character. One eye. Oh, yeah, I know, 
I know. Uh, Jack, it's just been a joy to it's just been a joy meeting you. It came yeah, from nowhere. Likewise. I didn't even know we'd asked to, for you to come on the show and I got this text yesterday at half past four and I'll show you my response to it. And you have not disappointed, not that you ever would. Um God bless you, Jack Johnson. Yeah, hey, likewise. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. It's been more than it's been the yeah. most fun. It's been the most fun. The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and Adam, come on, things to do. Don't cheer. You'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them. No stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose. Food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 